And as someone who's a city person, that was just like so foreign to me. I was like, what? People will come to the same place every summer? Like I just sit on my abuela stoop every summer. Like, right. Like, yeah. I'm like, I just hung out like at the corner or at the park or at the mall with my cousins. That was like all I did during the summer. Hello there, it's time for a new episode with me, your host, Gabriel Torres, but who cares about me? You're all here for this week's guest. Put your hands in the air for the MTV writer, producer, and debut author, El Gonzalez Rose. How are you doing, El? How's the book world treating you? Hello, thank you. That was such a nice intro, thank you. Oh, I said, I feel, I feel so cool. I've never I... been introed like that before. Uh, I'm great. The book world is treating me fantastically. Thank you for asking. Wonderful. I'm so happy to have you here and to just hear you talk about being an author. And also tell me why I like recently found out you had a podcast. And so for <laughs> anyone who's interested, it's called My First Fan Fiction. And Elle just basically reads fan fiction she wrote when she was 12, but it's literally the bomb. Uh, this is like a celebrity sighting for me. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it is so much fun, but also like, I can't wait to hear more about your book and it's releasing this fall and it's called Caught in a Bad Fomance. And I just love that it's not only a romance, but it uplifts queer and Latinx voices. And so it's truly such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. What is your current read? Oh, God. Um, I'm going to apologize in advance for any random sirens in the background. Um, I live in New York. So it's just Siren City constantly. <laughs> oh, no, I used to live there, so I get it. <laughs> you get it. I was just like, every meeting I have, it's like a helicopter suddenly is like time to descend. So right. <laughs> dealing with that. But um, I feel like I'm always reading like seven different things at once. But right now I'm only reading two. No, I'm reading three things. I always read one physical book, one ebook, and one audio book. So my audio read is They Wish They Were Us by Jessica Goodman. My physical read is Babel by R.F. Kwong. And then my ebook is uh, The Louis Ortega Survival Club by Sonora Reyes. So all three, all three are very different, but I'm really enjoying everything. So I'm in a good place reading wise. That's awesome. I <laughs> I know like everyone and their mother has talked about Babel and I have yet to read it. But yeah. I'm very excited. And also that's so I'm that's definitely like the Louis Ortega survival club is definitely like a 2023 anticipated read for me so that's amazing oh yeah like lesbiana's guide was one of my favorite reads of 2022 so the minute I got the e-arc I was like yes oh I'm gonna gosh. dive into this now <laughs> I am currently reading a book called gay bar and I just started it so um I'm looking at the author's name to make sure I have everything right but the author is Jeremy Lynn and um it's a nonfiction and it basically follows like all these gay bars that he's gone to in the past all over the world and some of which have closed. Um, and he's just sort of like retelling different experiences that he's had with those locations. Um, and it's, I had recently read Last Night at the Telegraph Club, as the listeners will have heard me talk about. And that book kind of like ruined reading any other sort of like romantic story for me for a while. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so I was like, okay, this is like a very big palate cleanser, very different. So, uh, but I'm enjoying it and, um, it just is fun. So, um, before I ask my questions, I have to give like a little honorable mention, which is basically any past guest, if they have any recent release or any news, um, I just like to shout it out, but Emery Lee has a new interactive short story 
It's a web short story called F. Mary Kill. And um, don't judge the work of art by its title. It's very, very good. It's really fun. It's like, um, I just wouldn't even imagine being able to turn all these like picture path stories, but like, obviously there's been video games of it, but now being able to turn it into books and then like web stories and you can follow a monster hunter and um, an assassin and just all these different characters and figure out who they sleep with, who they kill, or whatever they do. And it's just, it's really fun. So um, you should definitely go check it out if you're interested. And it's on Emery's Instagram and on our website, but it's so much fun. But my first question for you is what was your start to the book world? Oh, one, I definitely will be checking that out. Uh, so that sounds so interesting. Uh, and my start to the book world, I guess it depends on what you define as book world. Um, I have been writing my entire life. So I've been reading and kind of like involved in the world of books since I could read. But I started to kind of join the like book world of like book Twitter and book Instagram. Um, I want to say in 2021, which is kind of when I decided I wanted to look into traditional publishing after thinking about it for a really long time. And I felt very lonely in my writing journey because it's such a solitary process and no one around me was really working on anything in the same vein at the time. And I was like, I just want to talk about <laughs> what I'm writing with people. So I remember I made a Twitter account uh, under my name. Like I had a Twitter account for like forever, but I was like, I'm going to make one just for writing just to see what happens. And that's now my only Twitter that I have is that one. And it was great because I made so many friends who, you know, have shaped my writing and also my debut in such monumental ways, all because of just joining Twitter in, I think, like August of 2021 or something like that. That's amazing. And I know, yeah, in COVID, the book communities on social media have really sprouted and it's been um, very connective for the most part, but there's ups and downs, but it's really fun to meet like-minded people. And can you remember like the first thing that you wrote that maybe you thought might get published, if you can remember? <laughs> uh, okay. So <laughs> I can say the first thing, the first thing I ever wrote, like ever was, uh, I was in kindergarten and I wrote like a one page short story about a horse honestly I think we were learning about horses in class or something because I grew up in the city so I did not see horses on the regular but I wrote a short story about a horse that was the first thing I ever wrote but really the first thing I ever tried to get published was uh my debuts I was very lucky that it happened to pan out uh pretty nicely for me um but I had been writing stuff like my entire life on and off just different types of things but I had never sat down and tried to write a novel with the intent of being published. I wrote the first 100 pages of a novel as my senior honors thesis in college. Um, and that kind of just never went anywhere because I realized that was not my genre after I had, you know, written 100 pages of it. So Bowman's was the first thing that I like with earnest. I was like, I'm going to try to get this published. And it worked. <laughs> it worked. And I'm yeah. very lucky. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so excited for it. And I know um, even though there's no cover yet, even just like the little um, character art with the different tropes that you had posted and the different themes that will appear within the book is so exciting. Thank you. Of course. 
So far, all that is known about Caught in a Bad Fomance is that it follows an aspiring artist, Devin Baez, whose winter vacation devolves into hijinks after his family's longtime rivals, the affluent So Cook, challenged them to a bet that could cost the Baez's their beloved lake cabin. But when the enemy's attractive son, Julian, comes to Devin in desperate need of a fake boyfriend, he reluctantly agrees to set aside loathing for love and take down the So Cooks once and for all. Think like to all the boys meets Schitt's Creek or just like that honestly hooked me right away <laughs> because who doesn't love Schitt's Creek and to all the boys <laughs> I've loved before. And I just, I don't need to hear anything else and queer and Latinx rep. I mean, and <laughs> fake dating. Hello. <laughs> so um, a little bit of everything in this. Exactly. <laughs> it's as it must. So what was the inspiration for Caught in a Bad Fomance? Yeah, there were like two layers of inspiration where like different things kind of came together and created the story. The uh, first was that I went to a like I, I I forget what they're called, but it was like this place that's like a hotel, but not really a hotel in the I want to say the Poconos. I went with my family and it's like this kind of I guess a lodge actually is a better word for it. It's a lodge where families would come year after year. They said and they would just do like all these different games like you could like rent paddle boards and do all these different like lake activities like kayaking and whatnot and there were different cabins along this lake that you could see from the main lodge and they said that like people would do like timeshares and the different families would come every year and they would stay on this lake and then when you were inside of the lodge there were all these different pictures of like families that come year after year and as someone who's a city person, that was just like so foreign to me. I was like, what? People will come to the same place every summer? Like, I just sit on my abuela stoop every summer. Like, right. Like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, I just hung out like at the corner or at the park or at the mall with my cousins. That was like all I did during the summer. So I thought that was like just super interesting. And then I watched the movie Cheaper by the Dozen 2. Which, if not not the most popular movie, but if you look up the plot of it, you might see it's a little similar uh, to Caught in a Bad Fomance. And it kind of started formulating this idea in my mind of, like, this place as a setting of, like, this place, this summer lake place that people come year after year and they have, like, relationships there. And then from there, like, independently of that, I had been thinking about, like, kind of... I had just written a bunch, like a story with a bunch of tropes. And I was like, I was really in the mood to write something that felt very self-indulgent. So I was like, what are my favorite tropes? And my favorite tropes are like enemies or rivals to lovers and fake dating. So I was like, okay, how can I combine those? That seems fun. So that was an independent thought. And then when I had kind of put all these other elements of like the setting and the idea of two families together, it just kind of came, it was like perfect. They just complimented each other super well. And I was like, oh, this is a really fun setting that I kind of haven't seen before, except for in Jeeper by the Dozen 2, that lends itself to a lot of antics. And then it worked really well with like two tropes that I kind of just wanted to explore because I find them just super fun. And what I really wanted to write at that time was something super self-indulgent and fun. And that's where it came from. I love that. And that's <laughs> so fun. Just all these little <laughs> pieces of inspiration that yeah. gave into what it is now and what if something specifically or maybe just in general what sort of drew you to writing romance um I think that it was kind of like 
it's a combination of, of things. Um, I wrote a lot of fan fiction, as you can imagine from my background with my first fan fiction. And that is, even though they're bad, they, they are intended as romance, um, even though they're not the best romances. But I think that was something that I had always kind of been writing on a lot of my work in like the fan fiction world and my original fiction was rooted in romance. And what originally made me want to write this book, which was my first YA romance that I had ever really attempted, like a true rom-com, was that I just wanted something happy. It was a way for me to kind of explore something that I was very personal to me, which is that I wanted a very joyful queer Latin story. And I was like, what better way to do this than a romance, a nice romantic comedy. So I think it was just that I wanted to write something really happy. And what's happier than romance? So. Of course. And oh, believe me, I'm like every minute of listening to my first fan fiction, all of the twists and turns. And... <laughs> yeah, it, it wears on you having to come up with all those twists and turns. So I can I can say for sure that my debut is not as uh, I don't want to say exciting. It is not a, as dramatic, I'll say, as, as the stuff on my first fan fiction. <laughs> I can imagine. but <laughs> And I'm sure, you know, it's just still obviously romance is like it can be so much fun and there's just this I mean there can be heavier parts obviously but there's this light-hearted aspect to funny fake dating you know these romantic comedies and so um and who doesn't love that so everything just I want everything to have romance everything right. I write has romance in it like I'm working on a thriller right now and I'm like romance why not right <laughs> yeah, just gotta get it in there right well, did you have any other title options before finding your final title? Yes, I, I feel like my title just got longer and longer <laughs> as time went on. Uh, so like the first, first I, I went through so many drafts, like I can't even count how many drafts we're now up to. But the first, first, first one, which didn't even have an ending because I went back and had to rewrite the whole thing because I changed everything. That first one was just called Fomance. That was it. So that one was just Fomance. And then when I queried eventually, and it was kind of like when I started talking about it more openly, and when it was acquired by Joy Revolution, it was summer fomance. Uh, as you know from the description that you read, it is not set in the summer anymore. Right. <laughs> from there, uh, my editor, Bria Reagan, I have to give her credit, is the one who pitched Caught in a Bad Fomance to me, and I loved it. So that's what we went with, and that's how we landed there. That's awesome, and I love that it took a few different tries and but it's yeah. that's the perfect yeah I mean, the puns stay the same <laughs> right <just> the <laughs> exactly and even though I haven't read it yet I just it's just this very fun and sort of like attracts the eye type of title yeah. and well how long did it take to be picked up by the publishers and by Joy Revolution mm -hmm. um so I have kind of not an unusual story I think that my story is somewhat usual probably to writers who have heard it, um, but a little unusual in the way that it went down. And so hard and fast, like how long did it take? Six months um, from like when we sent my book out. But a good chunk of that was spent on a revise and resubmit that I did uh, for Joy Revolution. Um, so I would say really, because uh, we pulled from submission so I could work on it um, to do that revise and resubmit. That from like, if you're not counting the time that I was working on it, I think it's more like three to four months I'm not exactly sure but yeah wow yeah so well, I spent like two months working on it that's awesome 
and yeah, yeah I that's I, I don't know I just get so excited talking about this and um <laughs> you know I think growing up I didn't have even like as a middle I still read some middle grade but when I only read middle grade there weren't all of these you know Latinx characters or people that I could see myself as or just mm -hmm. in general um so it's so fun to see this and like then yeah. to share this with others and so um thank you for writing it <laughs> thank and... you for for helping me it mean it really does mean the world I've I, I'm sorry, now I'm going on my own other tangent. But no, this is, please. <laughs> this is uh, the first book I ever wrote where I wrote a Puerto Rican main character and it was so refreshing to just understand a character on that level before because I just didn't think people really... I remember uh, I was talking about it when I was like struggling to create the Devin character. My partner was like, why are you... Like, I was like, because I knew I wanted him to like not be white, but I was like oh, nobody's going to care if he's Puerto Rican because that's just what I am. Like, that doesn't matter. And my partner was like, why, why not? I don't, like, the reasoning didn't make sense because I just didn't think people cared. <laughs> like, enough. Yeah. I was like, you're not going to care that I'm writing about my experience. But that made it just so much better. And I, I can't imagine now not writing a Puerto Rican main character. Like, ever since then, I was just like, it's, there's so much comfort and happiness in writing a character from your background and also knowing, like, that other people are going to be able to see themselves in your yeah. characters is just so meaningful. And I can't Absolutely. believe that I went so long not doing that. Well, you're here now. And thankfully, you know, it is, it's exciting <laughs> that it's your first published work and so that it can be so important mm -hmm. in that representation. And yeah. Yeah. When you mentioned um, on your podcast that you're also Puerto Rican, I'm Puerto Rican as well. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is yeah. <laughs> right. Gente, we right. Just <laughs> what has this experience been like for you writing Fomance? Oh, long is <laughs> the main thing. Long, well, not as long as some people, but just uh, it's amazing in every sense of the word. I think I said this earlier. I've wanted to be a writer my entire life. Um, so, like, I remember in my eighth grade yearbook, there was like a little section that said, What do you want to be when you are an adult? And it said writer that uh, I, I just put that because I thought that was always what I was going to do. And especially that I get to debut with this book that was written at a time when I was kind of like looking for a book that made me feel more comfortable in my own identity as I figured it out. Because I just really wanted a joyful story where there's like no racism, no homophobia. And it's just these queer Latin characters because Devin is not the only queer Latin character in this book. His sister is also queer. And it was just to be able to write that and then like to see it be embraced is so meaningful and just so amazing. And I'm just so, so, so lucky that it went the way that it did. So even though it's been a long journey and I've rewritten this story a lot, I'm just so grateful that I get to live what is essentially my dream with this story that I love so much and that I hope will mean something to, to people out there. So it's exciting and very difficult to believe that it's actually happening yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that sort of leads me into my next question but what is the message you hope to share with this book hmm. that's a very good question I think there are a lot of different messages depending on the person who reads it um and this book has evolved so much because like I said I've revised it a lot of different times and I think that the three big revisions that I think of, of when I worked on it was the first time I wrote it when I was really working on it it was going to be 
a story that talks about how love is love and that queer Latins are allowed to have their happy ending and see themselves as the hero. And they're allowed to have these kind of like joyful, fluffy stories that have very kind of, I guess, like the stakes are not rooted in their identities. The stakes are rooted in their relationships as a family, the relationships to one another, and that you're allowed to have that kind of story. And that's what I really wanted it to be the first time that I wrote it. The second time that I had to rewrite it, uh, I explored a lot of what it means to be an artist, especially what it means to be an artist when your family uh, has kind of had to give up their own creative pursuits so that you could pursue your own, which is something that I definitely dealt with a lot in college and as I continued to pursue writing as an adult. And then the third time that I revised it, it had a lot to do with grief and about how you handle grief and how you move on from it. So I think that it can really depend on who's reading it and when they read it. But at the end of the day, I hope that people read it and can see that, you know, Latin families, queer Latin families can exist and they can be happy and they, we exist and we're, and yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it said. We exist and we're happy. And I hope that people can find comfort in that and find comfort in this story. I love that. And it's, that's so important. And <laughs> what are you most excited for, for the release of Caught in the Bad Fomance? So many things. I have so many nice outfits planned out. <laughs> yes. Excited for, yeah, excited for the outfits. I actually, I'm wearing these earrings that I just got. Um, this is not a spoiler, but um, Tre Leche Cake plays like a, a pretty big role in the book. So I got these Tre Leche earrings. I wish I remembered the name of the designer, but I'm very excited to wear these as like Fomance things start yeah. happening. So that's exciting. Um, and I think it's weird because I wrote fan fiction. So obviously I'm no stranger to sharing my work with the world and also I read it on my podcast. So I'm no stranger to people mocking me <laughs> and seeing how flawed my work is. But I think it'll be very interesting to see kind of, um, what I always say is I wrote this book for myself. I wrote it because I needed comfort in my life and I needed this story for myself to make myself feel better. And I'm excited for it to find other people who may have been in those various situations that I was in and hopefully find the same comfort that I did when I wrote it and feel it when they read it. So I think that's something I'm really excited about. Those are all such great things. And I love the earrings. And Thank you. <laughs> it's just like a little tribute to the book. And yeah. Uh, yeah, have you, well, this is not necessarily a question because recently on your Instagram, you posted that you sort of saw the final-ish cover of yes. the book and um even though it hasn't been shared yet, what has that experience been like getting to look at the cover? Oh, it's so crazy. It's so cool. Um, it's been really interesting. Like the cover process, it sounds like, because some of my friends that I've talked to, it feels very different um, depending on who you are. Um, my good friend, Angela Montoya is also from Joy Revolution. And like her and I, we have had a very kind of similar process because we are both fall 2023 Joy Revolution debuts. But then I have friends at, other big five publishing houses that have had a totally different process. And it's just very interesting to kind of not know what to expect. But I remember I, in my mind, my book has such a distinct setting um, that I was like, I just really want the setting on it. And I remember that I said that I really wanted to be able to see the boys head on if you were going to see them on the cover, because these are two boys of color. And I wanted you to be able to see that on the cover, that this is a story about two queer boys of color. Um, and that was yeah. important to me. 
And to see them kind of take these like little nuggets of ideas that I had, no coherent, like one cohesive idea rather, but to take all of these different elements and create it into something that I never even thought of is so fascinating. And the artist is so talented. Seeing that come together and the way that they did it was just like, they blew me out of the water. They took like the essence of this story, uh, which is like just something fun and in a very kind of like vibrant location. And they took it and just knocked my socks off. It's been amazing. And also getting to see your name on the cover of a book is crazy. It's just fascinating to see. So that was also very exciting. And to see my characters, like I know what they look like in my head, but to see them actually captured, the artist did such an amazing job of actually illustrating them. I was like, whoa, this is the most accurate depiction of either of them that I've ever seen. That is so cool. So yeah. That's so exciting. I, oh my gosh, I can't wait. <laughs> this is just making me even more excited and later 2023 can't come soon enough. Yay! <laughs> so we've mentioned, or you have said uh, the name Joy Revolution before. And for the listeners who don't know, Joy Revolution publishing was started by Nicola Yoon and David Yoon. And um, there's some amazing books that are going to be published. It just started recently and um, they're such an amazing couple. And so it's so exciting to see all these new books. And most recently, uh, Talia Hibbert had uh, Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute published through Joy Revolution. And so um, since your book is one of the, you could say, you know, beginning books to this new branch of publishing uh how has that been wild just wild <laughs> wild um I remember before I think either before or right after I signed with my agent a friend of mine mentioned to me they sent me an article um announcing joy revolution they said oh you know now that you have an agent like, you have to make sure that you submit to joy revolution I hadn't really like looked into publishing houses yet I obviously knew who Nicola and David Yoon were because I'd read their work and I was like Whoa, it was like this is so cool and they were like you definitely have to submit <laughs> at the time summer fomance <laughs> the book formerly known as summer fomance you have to submit it there like and I remember that when I was doing yeah this must have been right before I signed with my agent because uh when I was doing calls with agents like trying to figure out who I was going to sign with and joy revolution was the top of everyone's list and in my mind I'm like yes definitely that would be amazing but you know, I'm like, I'm not worthy of Joy Revolution. I think it's a perfect fit for this book. But I was like, they're never going to pick me. Like, ah, it was just very, <laughs> very intimidating. So then when, you know, things panned out the way they did, they gave me these amazing ideas for this R&R that I am so grateful for because it has improved the book and like taken it to just such a different place that I'm very, very, very excited about. And it brought everything together. So to be a part of them and to have like a message that I feel like is kind of like what I wrote this book for. I was like, I wanted to let queer Latins see themselves as like the romantic leads of a story and a very, very joyful and happy story. That's like not just about them, but about their families to be able to be a part of that, especially in their first like inaugural year is wild. And just, I'm going to say it a lot. I'm just so incredibly lucky and I will never believe that I'm really here, but yeah, it's, a perfect fit and I'm so so grateful that they saw the potential in this story and that they wanted to take it on wow well I can only imagine and that's just um that is so incredible to be just um and just to see over time how 
many books they're going to publish but to say like hey I was one of the first you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was there yeah, yeah. Um, almost a year to the day I found out yeah I think oh, it'll, wow. it'll be a year as like because I like to write these things out it'll be a year, on, a year on Wednesday is when I is when I found out that I got the offer from Joy Revolution so wow it's like full circle yeah well since myself and the listeners don't really know Julian or Devin yet or don't no, at all. Uh, <laughs> without obviously spoiling, uh, do you have a favorite character, or do you have <laughs> one that you feel most alike? Yeah. Um. So it's funny. Uh, Julian. Uh, not Julian. Devin has a twin sister named Maya that I always used to say, like, "Oh, I'm Maya." Like, she's just really kind of cool, like badass extrovert, and I was like, "I'm Maya." And then everyone who's read the book is like, you're clearly Devin. And I was like, Devin's a little bit <laughs> not as cool as Maya. And I was like, wow, okay, but you know, you're right. <laughs> you're definitely right. But I really did think I was Maya. But I, I like to say that uh, obviously Devin shares a lot of qualities uh, with me, but I think that actually if Devin and Julian were real people, I definitely want to be friends with Julian because he's a very talented chef. And I just want more talented chefs in my life. But <laughs> I don't think Devin would like me very much if he met me in real life, as he is very introverted and I am very extroverted. And as someone who is an artist, and Devin is also, you know, an artist, but a very different type of artist, he finds people, I think he would find someone like me. He'd be like, I don't want to interact with this person because she's like a self-actualized artist and that's too intimidating for me right now. Also, she talks a lot, so I'm not going to like want to talk to her. He would talk to me because I'd probably be like one of the few Latins, like Latin artists that he knew, but I don't think he would like me very much. So me and Julian can hang and he can make me food. <laughs> yeah. And who doesn't love someone who can cook and especially just exactly. a, a Latin character or person in real life that cooks good food. Like, hello. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, so yeah, Julian is, uh, actually, yes, Julian is, <laughs> yeah, Julian is actually also, Lat he's half, he's, he's so many things. He is uh, biracial. He is white, Cuban and Korean. So he's got like, he can cook a lot of good things. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Darn it, the way fictional characters should be real sometimes is like so it's torturous. Like... <laughs> <laughs> just real. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of fictional characters, on the little um, announcement that your book had a book deal and that it was going to be published and they gave a little description of it, um, it was sort of pitched with it as to all the boys meets Schitt's Creek. And do you have a favorite Schitt's Creek character? And yes, this is an important <laughs> question. A very important question. I took Schitt's Creek characters so seriously because obviously I'm Gonzalez Rose, so my family like consists of roses. Right. So we were like always saying that we wanted to do that as a Halloween costume, but like my parents didn't like get the message that we like need they need to watch Schitt's Creek, so they didn't. But I feel like this is not an unpopular opinion because like everybody loves everyone on Schitt's Creek, but I think Johnny the dad is my favorite. I don't know yeah. why just like I love a good straight man like <laughs> you know like like a comedic straight man right I just love that um, so I would say the parents Johnny or Moira Moira is iconic so I think that those two are actually my my two favorites oh yeah yeah Johnny's just he's a sweet person he's like yeah. he was never overly dramatic about the situation like he was like we got this and yeah line delivery like when he's just being like really serious just it gets me every time I don't know why there's 
it's kind of scary how many quotable lines um, I've tried to <laughs> memorize throughout all six seasons. And um, yeah, and there's just, I love when he's trying to be on the same level as his kids and it just doesn't always work out. But yeah, those are Moira and Johnny. I mean, gosh, I want to be like reincarnated as Moira in another life. That's, that can be like my long-term goal for like where I want to go with my my career and my life. I just want to be her. Just hella wigs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just her girls, of, her babies. Yeah, my my babies, you know, that, that's the goal. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's that's so fun. And so on the other hand, do you have a favorite character from To All the Boys I've Loved Before? Actually, I meant to Google this beforehand, but I always forget the character's name. Um is uh her little sister i love like like sibling characters which is oh kind of, kind of kitty right kitty. that's yeah, what i okay. thought i was like is it kitty i'm like i was like i'm gonna sound embarrassing if i just name a totally different character <laughs> but i feel like i'm a little biased because i love jordan fisher so like any so i know that's not like that's like the second one but like anything that jordan fisher is in i'm like i'm rooting for jordan fisher so <laughs> but i love like sibling characters i which is kind of interesting because I didn't grow up with any siblings, but I have a lot of cousins. So I guess that's like, love like meddling, uh, meddling youngins. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. I can relate very heavily. So <laughs> um, yeah, she's such a fun character. And apparently Netflix is doing like a spinoff series of like yes, XO Kitty. Right. So that's perfect. So absolutely. <laughs> well, if you have experienced it, because I've talked to people on this podcast that haven't experienced writer's block and some have, how do you find a way to sort of work through it? Or what is sort of your process if you get into a writer's block? Mm -hmm. I think, so I was, I, I was thinking about this earlier and I was like, I just noticed I have not experienced writer's block in a while. And the reason I think, um, I'm one of those people that needs to outline um, anything before I write. The first draft of Fomance was a huge mess like it just didn't have an ending because I didn't outline it beforehand and I got to the end and realized that the story that I was building to was not the story that I wrote so I had to go back and start again so since then every project I've written since then I have to make sure that I outline everything which just makes writer's block like kind of avoidable because I kind of know where I'm always going something that I've done um I did this with the most recent two books that I've drafted I made sure when I was writing I have like a word goal kind of where I have a word goal for the day and usually it's like a thousand words and if I get there or if I'm like slightly short and I want to keep going I stop I know it's like people are like oh you want to keep going when you're in the flow and I'm like no I stop because I that then means that I'm going to kind of like save that excitement and inspiration for the next day and that's kind of how I've gone about it it's a very kind of like methodical way of going about it um, yeah but it's more like a routine and like I love to write. Before I wrote this book, I was writing all the time. I am going to write almost every day. Like that's just, not except for the weekends. I don't like to write on the weekends, but I I love to write. I was going to do it anyway. So making sure that I kind of reserve that passion and excitement and always bring that to the table every day has kind of been what's helped me avoid writer's block over these past two books is that even when I don't know a scene, sometimes what I'll do is if I'm like really stuck with a scene and I like I find what I get writer's block a lot with is like the action and it's like well where are they standing now is I'll treat it like a script because uh, I wrote a lot of scripts in college and I'll just do the dialogue and then the next day my job is just to fill it in with like the action and I'll leave like little notes be like he goes over here she does this he does that 
she does that and stuff like that. So that's something else that I've done that's been super helpful for like just keeping momentum going is just like, I think a lot in dialogue. I don't know why, but I just sometimes just write that and then it lets it flow very smoothly. And it's all just a matter of just shading it in in between. Right. Yeah. And so you found yourself become more of a plotter instead of a pantser, which is, (laughs) I mean, I get it. It's, you know, yeah, I think I learned my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> right. And just wanting to make sure you have everything laid out and you know it's gonna go how you intended. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, what advice would you give to someone who's wanting to become an author or who's really interested in writing? Yeah. Uh finish the book is the main one. I <laughs> I think a lot of people say that, and I did not realize how important that was until I was in their position. And it really is the most important thing is finishing the book. And so I feel like that's kind of where I've shifted when I'm drafting is I spent so much less time worried about perfection and things like that, because so long as there's a book on the page, you can always go back and fix it. Um, And that has been so, so helpful in terms of like actually finishing books. Like, you know, it took me, you know, I, I started writing romance when I was like, Oh, I don't even remember how old I how old I was, and it took so long to get kind of right and figure it out and finish it. And now I wrote two books in the course of like three months, and it just changed everything, like shifting my mentality about how I think about drafting. But um, my advice for people who are looking to start writing a book is to, and I feel like this is advice that is sometimes contrarian, but I do think it's important at the same time is to be very passionate about what you're writing um, and try, I don't, I don't want to say don't write to the market because sometimes you do have to write to the market, but to be passionate about what it is that you're writing because you're going to spend so much time with it. <laughs> I have spent so long <laughs> with Devin and Julian to the point that I am a little excited to like, I'm like, boys, you can go, <laughs> go live your lives. I'm a little tired of you now, but you're going to spend so much time with your work. And I think that being very passionate about it is what keeps it refreshing. Like I enjoy reading the story every time I have to read it. I feel like at this point, I know these characters like the back of my hand and that has been so helpful for the revision process. But if I didn't like this story, it would make it so hard. <laughs> right. really, yeah, I would just be like, oh, this again. So I think being passionate about your story and really loving what you're writing, it will make your life so much easier on just so many levels. And I know that sometimes the industry can push you down and maybe the story that you love is not the story that they love. And that really, really sucks. But I think that so long as what you're writing is something that you feel really passionate about, it will make your the process a little easier. And I think it'll show in your writing as well that you are really passionate about this story. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that stellar advice. Thank you. <laughs> And looking back, could you have ever imagined being published or your book <laughs> being published or just being a published author? It, no, <laughs> it's one of those things that like, you know, you spend your whole time, your like whole life saying that it's your dream, but it's not your dream Um, in the sense that I've been writing my entire life. I wrote short stories in kindergarten, which turned into like other types of stories. Every time I go home to visit my mom, I just have journals and journals and journals that I kept when I was a kid, not like of my daily life, but just like little stories that I was writing. And so for my family and like those around me to kind of see this happening, they were like, of course it was going to happen. Like this is what you've been doing your whole life. You've been working towards this for years. And, but for me, it still feels kind of surreal because 
even though I've been working towards it my whole life, there's still that moment of like, oh, it's it's actually happening. And it happened kind of quicker than I thought it would. You know, I'm very lucky that I only, you know, had to query this one book, but it has been something I've been working towards my whole life. And I never imagined that this is where it was going to go because when I was younger and in college, I was like, you can't be a writer. You have to, you know, I was a computer science major for a while. I was like, you need to get a job and make money. You can't pursue your passion. That's just a thing you'll do on the side. You're not really going to be a writer. And now here I am. I am a writer at my day job. I'm a, a TV producer. Um, so I, I write TV trailers is what I do as my day job. And I also write books. So I feel just so, again, lucky, word of the day, um, to be able to do both. And it feels just yeah I think the best word to describe it is surreal even though a part of me always hoped it was going to happen it's just still like we're actually here like oh my gosh it's actually happening right mm -hmm. and yeah you should feel proud and lucky and that's no <laughs> it's no small achievement and to and yeah like you said to be able to write in your day job and also write books and you're getting the best of both worlds <laughs> yeah so. I have a very idyllic writing filled life and I'm incredibly just like blessed and lucky and grateful um, that, you know, working your whole life towards something actually pays off. <laughs> right. And you're reading as well as, you know, you read books, but also you're reading on your podcast of your old writing. So it's like, you're... Right. yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, the podcast is actually like, I think, uh, I don't know where you are in the podcast, but uh, very beginning, but I'm ready yeah. to binge. So. <laughs> It's interesting to have the podcast as well, because the podcast actually like chronicles kind of what happened with the book where I started the podcast because I hadn't been writing for like three years. And I, I was just burnt out because I was a creative writing major my last year of college, which meant a lot of catching up because I switched from computer science. And I spent all this time writing constantly for a year and I just felt burnt out. I didn't like what I was writing. I felt like the stuff that I was writing was not true to what I wanted to write. I felt like nobody wanted me to write comedy. Every time I tried to write comedy, people were like, nah, like what if this were like something more serious? And then I would have to write about these like kind of like traumatic things in my own life. And I was like, I don't really want to write about that. I want to write about comedy. Then it led to me reading my old fan fiction. I just thought it was so funny. So my friends and I started to read it. And it was through doing the podcast that I kind of rediscovered fan fiction again and I was like you know what this was fun like that was just genuinely fun so I started writing fan fiction again and from there there came a point where I was like oh I'm not writing fan fiction anymore I'm just writing original fiction with like the characters names so I was like I'm going to stop doing that and I'm going to try to write a book instead which I always said I was going to do and I finally did it and that's what led to fomance so that's kind of like where we are now. Like we said, we have the like pre, like burnt, we have the burnt out era in my podcast. We have the fan fiction era where I'm writing fan fiction in the present day. And then we have modern day, which is like the published author era, which I never would have anticipated. Right. Yeah. And yeah, well, who, younger Al had no idea that she was paving the way. <laughs> yeah. One, two, three, Miss Murder, four, five, six. <laughs> I never have imagined it would have gone here. Well, I know you earlier you sort of talked about what you're excited for and what the message you want to send. But I think a question that I'm very curious about is what is most important for you about sharing this queer and Latin story within the world and just within the book world and readers? Yeah, I think uh, it's just for me, what I wanted it to be was a story where 
kind of we skipped the coming out process because that's kind of what I was dealing with. And I was like, what if we get to skip to the happy ending? And but more so the happy ending within family. Um, I was like, what if we get to skip the coming out process? And you get just just see like a happy Latin family where like queerness is not an issue and you don't have to deal with that because I think that someday I'd like to explore the intersectionality of what it means to be queer and Latin. It does not mean the same thing for everybody, but it is also not necessarily this kind of same coming out story that we see a lot in media. Um, and I wanted to explore, I didn't I didn't want to explore that yet because I was dealing with it in my own life. So I kind of wanted to just kind of write this idyllic and happy place where you got to see these like joyful queer stories that I was reading and I found comfort in, but with characters that came from the same background as me. And I really wanted to kind of join the community of queer Latin authors like writing these stories because I think that you know, what's most important to me is that we always get our happy ending too. And I, there can never be enough queer Latin stories out there. So that was the goal was to contribute to the to the growing canon and to just let readers have more options to see themselves in these characters falling in love. They get to be the heroes of the story. They get to be the romantic lead and we deserve love stories. I love that. I it's absolutely so wonderful to hear and what a perfect note to end on but this was so just freaking fantastic thank you so much for joining me thank you thank you for having me it means it's it's like i said just wild that people actually are excited to read the books it has lived in my mind for almost like three years now so it means so much that people are excited and i'm truly so grateful thank you of course i am as i've said beyond excited and i just can't <laughs> wait to scream and shout about it to all my friends and where can the listeners find you you can find me on twitter at e gonzalez rose and that is gonzalez with two z's <laughs> i feel like that's my my motto for becoming a public figure it's gonzalez <laughs> with two z's uh so that's twitter is e gonzalez rose i'm also on instagram at L. Gonzalez Rose. My name is spelled like the legally blonde character, E-L-L-E. Um, and I also have a website, lgonzalezrose.com. And you can listen to my podcast, my first fan fiction, available wherever you listen to your podcast. Yes, everybody go listen to it. It's okay. <laughs> I, that's perfect. And all of that will be linked below. And other than obviously romance coming up in the fall, do you have any upcoming or current projects or just anything you want to shout out? I wish I could talk about them, but maybe, maybe, <laughs> then maybe you should look at my social media in the coming weeks or months. Um, that's all I'll say. <laughs> okay, perfect. Everybody take note. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the link for Caught in a Bad Romance to add it on Goodreads is in the description below. And I cannot wait to hold this book in my hands and then see it on my shelves and uh, just Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. And don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate the podcast, write a review if you'd like, and go listen to my first fan fiction. <laughs> and it's so much fun. And you can find Try Reading wherever you get your podcasts and episodes release every other Friday. And if you want to buy books by Try Reading authors, you can do so in the Try Reading link tree below. It supports local businesses and um, through bookshop.org and then when Elle's book is available for pre-order you can order it through there too this was so much fun to record this episode and it just made me even more excited and so thank you so much for sharing your stories and just 
bringing your humor and fantastic energy onto today's episode. Thank you so much. It was an honor to be here.